You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. We've been looking at this, the book of Titus, which is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to one of his trainee pastors who went by the name of, you guessed it, Titus. Okay, and uh, this message of this letter is do good, do good, do good. It's just constant throughout the letter that Paul wrote to his trainee pastor, Titus. Uh, week one of the series, we saw that if, if you're going to be a leader who loves what is good, you've got to love God first. You've got to love God first. Week two, we saw that if you're going to do good, you've got to be discerning. You've got to discern what is good, and it starts with discerning our own hearts and what, uh, whether we're really in with Jesus or whether we're Jesus-ish. Are we really following him or are we just got an ish there? We're kind of there. And then week three, last week, uh, we saw that if, if we're going to do good, we're going to be influencers. We're going to influence others with our goodness. And, and uh, godly influencers, Pastor Brian said, aren't ashamed of the gospel because they know that even when life gets ugly, it is the power for salvation. And we're doing something really extra special during this series. We're doing this thing called the Do Good Challenge. We're challenging ourselves as a church to, do, to blitz our community with 10,000 acts of goodness. 10,000 acts. Said during the month of November, let's blitz our community. In a year that's been terrible, let's do 10,000 acts of goodness. And we've asked you to anonymously post those on our website so we can kind of keep track of our progress and see what's going in. And this week we had quite a number come in. And here, let me give you some examples of some do goods. Uh, Somebody said they provided money to help a mother with her rent. That is awesome. Uh, Somebody said, I spontaneously danced in the kitchen to cheer up my under-the-weather daughter. I love that. That's awesome. How sweet. Somebody said they sponsored a homeless child for Christmas. Fantastic. Uh, Brought candy bars to surprise the team I coach. Love that. Um, And then this one was especially for our Cataverse lead pastor. He says this, "I, I helped a neighbor order online. She needed pet supplements for her cat. So there you go. All sorts of good things going on, big things, small things, and we want to ask you to jump in and be part of this, and we want to hit that goal of 10,000. Where are we at right now? We're going to let you know at the end of the service, okay? So you're going to have to hold on. But one of the things that you could do right now is join our $5 challenge. Our $5 challenge is a part of this month. And if you've been around Crossroads any length of time, you know we do a $5 challenge every once in a while. It's a really easy way to give. All the money that you give does not go to this church. It goes, way, goes outside. And you know if you've been here, done the $5 challenge before, that we do something extra special with this. And this time around, we're looking to raise $15,000. We don't usually tell you what the, the total is, but that's what we're looking for. And there's a special, special reason why 
and uh, you'll have to come back later to find out what we do with it. Uh, we're going to announce that on at our Christmas Eve services. But I want to encourage you, right now you can go on our app, you can click $5 challenge and donate $5 uh, to go towards that goal. That's one way you can jump in and do good, as Paul says in the book of Titus. But do good wasn't unique to Paul. Paul didn't make up this thing. It was Jesus who was the first to say, let's do good. Jesus said it. And in Matthew 5, he said this, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. They may see your good deeds. And when I read this verse, sometimes it can be easy to get like in a, you know, like a goody two-shoes kind of Sunday school kind of way of reading it. Um, you know, I think it's because like when I was a kid, uh, we used to sing that song, you know, this little light of mine. I'm the, you know that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let your light shine before others. And it kind of sounds like, oh, really nicey-nicey, you know? But let's, let's not say that. Let's, let's say, this is what Jesus was getting at. Let's say lay your fire, your passion, your red-hot love for Jesus shine before others. That's what he's saying. We got to let our light shine, the truth of what knowing Jesus is, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do we do that so that they go, wow, that's a good person right there? No, we're not good. We know that. If we know Jesus, we know we're not good. We don't do it for that reason. We do do it so that they see the good deeds. But why? So that they may glorify your Father. They go, man, that's amazing. I want to know who you know. I want to know your dad, your father in heaven. So we burn with this passion of knowing Jesus and we can't keep it in and we do good deeds because we want others to be set alight with Jesus. Now get this, get this. That's the very reason you are sitting in these seats today because there are many, many people who have gone before us who have done good work. They've given. They've shared. They've shown us kindness. You could go back centuries and say people who've given even their lives, they were burned at the stake. They literally became a light to show the glory of God and that's the reason that we came to know Jesus or the reason this building got built and that's the reason that we're sitting in here today is that people before us did good work. You know, even right now, we could, we could all name some people who have done good in our life, who've prayed for us, who've given. For some of us, that would be a growth group host, a growth group host. If we're just coming to the end of our fall growth groups and this has been an amazing 10 weeks. For those of you who are new around here, our growth groups are 10 to 12 people who meet weekly for 10 to 12 weeks to grow in their faith and their friendships. And uh, our groups this last trimester, they've done um, uh, three different topics. They've done either Rooted or Life in Rhythm or Financial Peace University. And our hosts have done an amazing, amazing job. It's been so many cool stories that came out of it. One of the quotes that I read recently said that this group, 
has saved my life and my sanity. With the pandemic keeping us home, it has been a life-saving to meet with this group. It's been life-saving. In 2020, we've needed faith, and we needed our friendships, and growth groups have been vital. And the groups have done a great, great job at that. Our Financial Peace University groups have had some incredible results. Um, check out these stats. There were 18 households in our, our FPU groups this trimester. Over nine weeks, $72,000 of debt was paid off by those households, and $142,000 were saved. That is amazing. That's, a, that's over $200,000 swing for those households altogether in their financial journey. And think about the peace and the journey that they're on to get their money under control. That's awesome. But you know, perhaps the best thing of all about what's happened and the, the good that our hosts have done this trimester is the baptisms that we're seeing, and especially Barbara, who is what, part of one of our online rooted groups this trimester. So awesome to see lives changing. I want you to know if you missed out on any of that, rooted, FPU, all those groups will be back in the spring. You can sign up for those in January. But right now, we're looking for people who'd love to do good and host one of those groups. It's super easy to host. We give you everything you need and train you and show you. And you just gather a few of your friends and uh, meet together weekly. Talk about your faith um, and grow in your friendships. And if you're interested in that, you can check out all the details and sign up at crossroadsgrace.org slash host. But thank you, our hosts, this fall. You've done a great, great job. Well, let's dig into Titus chapter 3. And so go ahead and open your Bibles there um, or your Bibles app, app there, chat host. If you go ahead and, and post uh, the link there in the chat, that'd be great. And this letter, it, he, Paul is re reaching the end of the letter, but he's by no means done stating the main point of this letter. Do good, do good, do good. He says it over and over and over again. He's like, you know, he's like a mom who's reminding her middle school boy to change his underwear at camp when it comes to this. I mean, it's like, change your underwear, change your underwear. No, do good, do good. I mean, look what he says in, in verse 1 here in chapter 3. He says, remind. He said, Titus, do the same thing I'm doing. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. There it is again. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always gentle toward everyone. In other words, he's saying the people are to be great citizens of their community. They're to be subject, obedient, peaceable, gentle. They're going to be outstanding citizens. They're making a difference in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, in their schools. That's how Christians are to be known. Now, when we read this, you might be wondering, hey, well, what, what about COVID and purple tear and meeting inside as a church and, and being obedient and all that kind of stuff? Like, aren't we, what's, what's going on with that, Crossroads? Well, I encourage you, check out the video that Pastor Brian, uh, the message he put on at crossroadsgrace.org slash inside. Because, you know, there are times when the gospel calls us to be outlaws. Um, and that's biblical. But the majority of the time, the majority of the time, Christians are to be outstanding citizens doing good work. 
But Paul has to be reminding, and he says, Timothy, or Titus, remind, remind the people, because we're like middle school boys' relationship with underwear. We just forget. We get distracted. We get worn down. And before we know it, our focus goes from looking to others to all here and thinking about ourselves. And that's hard enough to keep our focus outward in regular times and regular seasons of life. But in 2020, oh my goodness, talk about hard to keep your focus outward. This has been a crazy year, right? I love the memes I saw recently about 2020. First of all, if 2020 was a swing, yeah, there you go. It's all fun until you hit the wall, right? Um, what about if 2020 was a bag of chips? Orange juice and toothpaste flavor. Yeah, you'd, I love that. Yeah. Okay. What about if our 2020 was toilet paper? That's just great. Get that? Yeah, how I do. No, 2020 has been crazy, right? And it's been so hard, so hard to keep our focus outward. So let's dig into these, these verses here that Paul is talking about, writing here about being, doing good, because I think in this passage, he gets, he gets the heart of the message and helps us to keep that outward focus especially in 2020. And there's three R's of doing good in this passage. Three R's that I see. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But I made them super easy to remember by making them all begin with R. So right. Okay, so first of all, the first R of doing good. First is root yourself in the good God has done. Root yourself in the good God has done. Look what he writes in verse 3 here. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. In other words, Paul's saying, man, if there was a do-bad challenge, we'd be winning at that. And I think we can all relate to that. But then look what he says in verse 4. But, and that's a big but right there, I'll tell you that. But when the kindness and love of our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Now let me put you out some things in here. There's three things that God did. One, he saved us. You see that? He saved us. Man, we need saving. We are, without Jesus, we are on a train wreck uh, of a life. He saved us. But not, not because of the righteous things he had done, but because of his mercy. And then what else did he do? He filled us with his Holy Spirit. He renewed us. He put his Holy Spirit in us. And then thirdly, he made us heirs. You know what heirs are? They're children of God. He's made us his children. You're a child of God, and he wants you with him for eternity. God is amazing. He did those things. And, and did you see 
that we earned all that? Did you see that? No, we didn't earn any of it. He didn't do it because of anything that we did. Not, be, not because of the righteous things we had done. Not because of that. In other words, the only thing, if you are saved here tonight, the only thing that you contributed to your salvation is your sin. That is the only thing. He loves you that much. Do you notice his attitude in this? Do you notice God's attitude to us? I mean, I would have thought if you were, had your enemies all lined up, you'd be begrudging like, oh, maybe I should show him mercy. I'm kind of begrudging about it, though. don't really want to, but okay, I, I probably should. No, that's not God's attitude at all. It says he was kind and loving. He has had mercy. He was generous. He had, had his grace. And he wanted us to be with him forever, forever. That is the attitude of our God. He's loving and kind. He loves you. He loves you. That is astonishing. That is weighty. That is glorious. He went to extraordinary depths, extraordinary lengths to make that happen. And that is what we're to root ourselves in. That is what we are to root ourselves in the good that he's done. You see, God wins the do good challenge. He won it. He did it. And we just get to copy him. We just get the fun of copying him. And when you root yourself in what he has done, your heart just gets on fire and your, out, your focus becomes like, man, I just want to do some good which is exactly what Paul says in verse 8 here. Look what he says. And this is our memory verse this month. We've been reading it every week. So why don't you read this with me, okay? This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. There he is, reminding the, the person to change their underwear. Do what is good, right? But he says, stress these things. This is a trustworthy saying. He saved you. He renewed you by the Holy Spirit. He poured it out generously into your heart. And he's made you an heir and given you internal life. That is trustworthy. Stress it. Think about it. Titus, preach it so that your people would devote themselves to doing what is good, because to do anything else would be outrageous. It would be scandalous to be a receiver of such mercy and to not do anything. Paul says we're to devote ourselves to doing what is good. I wonder where you're at today. You know, perhaps you're joining us today. You don't know God. You're just kicking the tires. You, you, you think there might be something in this. I am so glad that you are watching, that you're here today. You probably are exhausted and empty because that's what life without God is like. We usually find ourselves at the end of a rope. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. 
He says, I'll give you abundant life. I'll give you a rest that unlike anything you've ever had because you know you're secure, that your life is secure forever. And I'll give you a purpose for an abundant life, a life that you never believed could be filled with such joy. Come to know God today. Give your life to him. Maybe you want to make a difference in this world today, but you're enslaved, like Paul talked about. You're enslaved to passions, addictions. Man, they're tearing up the roots, the roots that God has laid in your life. I encourage you, check out our Celebrate Recovery program on Wednesday nights. It's amazing. It's life-changing. I'd really encourage you to do that. Perhaps today you've been so focused on yourself during this year of 2020, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten you're a child of God. You've forgotten that you have the Holy Spirit, that he is alive in you. You've forgotten that you've been given eternal life and that these aren't days to be lived begrudgingly. These are days to be lived with joy and to be outwardly focused. You know, maybe the devil has been leaning into you and he's been saying, who are you to think yourself a Christian? What? You know, look at all the things that you do. You're no good. You're a sinner. I want you to tell back the devil. I want you to say to him, you know what? Thank you, devil. Reminded me that I'm a sinner because I need a savior. And you know what? I have an amazing savior who went to the cross, not because of anything I have done, but all because of his love. And he loves me that much. Thank you, devil, for reminding me that it's nothing to do with me. It's all to do with him. And I'm going to live for him. That's rooting yourself in the good God has done. And it's critical. It's critical if we're going to do good. The second R is this, that we've got to rise above the noise. We've got to rise above the noise. You know, 2020 has been full of noise, right? Uh, all sorts of different politics and uh, masks and COVID and all of that. It's just been noise, 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 noise. And we've got to rise above the distractions that will eat our focus and our time. Things that seem to be good. Some things that even seem to be spiritual, but at the end of the day, they're just distracting and even useless. Look what Paul writes in verse 9. He says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. You see, there were people in those days that they would have all these theological conversations that they thought were all super important. But Paul's saying, uh-uh, no, these aren't, these aren't important at all. They're useless. One of the commentators says this, this passage warns against useless discussions. See, the Jewish rabbis spent their time building up imaginary genealogies for the characters of the Old Testament. I mean, that sounds really interesting, right? I mean, they spent endless hours discussing what could and not, could not be done on the Sabbath and what was and was not unclean. I mean, wow, these guys, they had another, that's interesting. Anyways, it is much easier, the commentator says, it is much easier to discuss theological questions than it is to be kind and considerate and helpful at home or efficient and diligent and honest at work. 
You see, we can get involved in all sorts of controversies and arguments and discussions, and in the end, all we are is armchair quarterbacks. We're not doing any good. We're useless. For us in 2020, it's the conspiracies, it's the politics. It's stuff we have no control over. I mean, I get it. I have some real strong opinions about this year and what should be done and what should not be done, and few of us don't have any opinions about this year. But you know what? It is really hard. In fact, it might be impossible for angry, flustered, unbalanced people to do good. In fact, we can easily end up doing bad, causing division. And some people make this an art form. They intentionally try to divide the church. Paul says this in verse 10. Look what he says here. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. Man, it seems kind of harsh, right? <laughs> but remember who Paul was writing to. These people were trying to add to the pure message of Jesus and that would be poison that will drag everybody in the church down with them. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had some ants up here. We got invaded by ants. You know, it first started with these little, you know, onesie, twosie ants in the bathroom, and they were just scouting out what was going on. I don't know what they were finding, but uh, before you know it, they were everywhere. I mean, I felt something on my back, and I thought it was an ant. We had so many ants in our house. It was crazy, you know. Now, and I'm not, I know I might look it, but I'm not that manly hunter guy. No, I'm joking. I don't look it at all. I am not a manly hunter, but you know what? When it comes to ants, and by the way, if you're an ant lover, you might want to just do this for a little bit. Um, but when it comes to ants, I'm going all out warrior, okay? So I went down to Lowe's, I cleared off the shelf, I got every product they got, and I went home and I'm like, these guys are toast. I got the spray stuff, I got the grounds that you put, a, put around your house to like pr make this invisible barrier against ants, and then, yeah, I got the, I got the granddaddy of the, the weapon of mass destruction for these ants. That was liquid ant bait. You seen that? Those little things you set out? I mean, they look small. Oh, man. But those ants are small, too, I guess. But you put it out, and it's delicious. Those ants love that, and it, but it doesn't kill them right away, right? Doesn't, they, have to, they take it back to their buddies. They're like, guys, you got to get a load of this. This is delicious. But then before you know it, that whole anthill is toast. Love it. Love it. We haven't had ants for the last two weeks. It's been fantastic. But that's what poison does. It spreads. Conspiracies, debates, useless controversies. It becomes a poison that spreads. Before you know it, that flame that was in our heart and passion to do good for Christ because of the good he's done for us, it is dull. It is going out. It's dying. And that's scandalous. And that is not how a church is meant to be. Paul's like, no, we cannot have that kind of poison in the church. In our growth groups, we say major on the majors, minor on the minors. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here to Titus. Remember what he said in verse 8? He said this, I want you to stress. Major on the majors, stress these things. 
You're saved, not because of what you've done. You're filled with the Spirit, so you have the power to do it. You are an, you're an heir of eternal life, so put, set your eyes on that. Stress those things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Major on the majors. So we got to rise above the noise, friends. In 2020, we got to rise above the noise and be who God called us to be. So root yourself in the good God has done. Rise above the noise. Thirdly, resolve to make a difference for Jesus. Resolve to make a difference for Jesus. See, you can root yourself, you can rise above the noise, but you've also got to be intentional. You gotta have eyes to see the good to be done. You gotta be looking out. How can I do good? Look what Paul writes here in verse 12. As soon as I send, and there's a lot of names here, Artemis or Tychius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to win her there. Do everything you can to help Zenus, the lawyer. Wow, that's the first lawyer who's got some help. And Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. He's getting super practical here. Do good to these guys. See, our people, he says, verse 14, must learn to devote themselves to what they're doing. There he is again saying, saying doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs. And don't miss this. And not live unproductive lives. Not live unproductive lives. That's a powerful line. That's challenged me every time I had to read this this last couple of weeks. I don't think there's anything sadder than an unproductive life. You know, I remember when I was a math teacher, um, I would be teaching these high school kids and I'd see all the potential they had to do math. They were smart, but they wouldn't apply themselves. They wouldn't resolve to do it. They would just sit there. And it was sad. But that was just math. Sorry, math teachers. That was just math. How much sadder to see someone throw their whole life away, or somebody, even worse than that, someone who knows Jesus, who knows his mercy and his grace and his love, and they are not doing anything with it. They're living unproductive lives. That is the saddest thing. Let me ask you, be honest with yourself. Is your life productive? Are you doing good? What are you devoting your life to? What do you have to show for it? John Piper, man, he's, he always hits home. He says this, if you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effect of the pebbles you drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth, and roll on for centuries and into eternity, you don't have to have a high IQ or an EQ. You don't have to have good looks or riches. You don't have to come from a fine family or a fine school. You just have to know a few great, majestic, unchanging, obvious, simple, glorious things and be set on fire by them. 
You need to know that God loves you. He saved you. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's made you his child and heir of eternal life. And anyone who knows that can make a massive difference in this world. But we've got to be resolved to that. So often we're resolved. We're devoted to other things. We're devoted to being liked. We're devoted to being liked. Not even the ice cream guy gets liked. Do you know that? I got an ice cream guy in my neighborhood, and he drives me bananas. We, we can't be devoted to being liked. What a horrible thing. It's just going to end up being unsatisfactory. We're devoted to saving for a comfortable retirement. We're devoted to nice cars or kids with good grades. We're devoted to promotions at work. We're devoted to all these things. And Jesus says, devote yourself to good works. Be dedicated, be determined, be resolute to make a difference. It's the only thing that makes sense if you're a child of God. Now, did you know, notice the way Paul said about being devoted to good works in this verse? He said, yeah, you've got to be devoted. But he said this. He said, our people must learn to be devoted or learn to devote themselves. Learning, practice. Repetition. Learn to devote yourselves. Maybe at first you're like, this is kind of clunky, but I learn as I do it more. I learn. That's why we're doing the Do Good Challenge. Because sometimes we need a challenge. Sometimes we need something just to kick us in the pants and get us moving a little bit and going, you know what? I can do something. I can make a difference. I'm a child of God. You know, we do exercise plans and diet plans and all those kind of goal things. We, we have accountability. And that's why we've got the Do Good Challenge, because we've got to learn to devote ourselves to doing what is good. But get this. Get this. It's not like we're talking about, like, eating something gross here and we're just, like, having to bite our tongue or just kind of swallow it fast. We're talking about doing good. We're talking about having some fun, about blessing people, about making a difference. I mean, this isn't resolving to do something that's, that's boring or, or hard necessarily. I mean, Dave Ramsey says this. I love this quote. Outrageous generosity is the most fun you will ever have with your money. You got money? You want to have some fun? Give it away. Give it away. Do some good. You'll get way more joy doing that than doing anything else with it. Now, wait a second, Ed. Are you telling me, like, I could get some joy from doing something good? Isn't that, like, kind of messed up? Isn't that, like, selfish or something? You know? People get their knickers in a twist all about this, you know? That somehow a good act isn't good if you get something from it. Like, it's not completely altruistic um, if you get something for it. But I tell you what, God is not that way at all. In Acts 20, Paul was teaching about good works again. It's a constant message of his. Look what he says in Acts 20. And everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, i.e. do good. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's saying, hey, do good, do good, do good. But remember, remember it's more blessed, it's more happy, it's more joyful. You experience more of the favor of God when you give 
In other words, remember it. Don't forget it. He's not saying, hey, do good, but forget the God that is blessing in there. No, he's saying remember that. Because this is awesome. You know what? God loves being generous. He gets so much joy from that. And we're ego too. So when we're saying resolve to do, to make a difference, we're saying resolve to have a joy-filled life where you make a difference because it's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to give. There's a whole world of difference between I'm good because I do good or I feel good because I do good. There's a big difference between that. So church, imagine with me today. Imagine, just for a second, all of us blitzing our community doing good. Imagine, you know, single moms being helped. Imagine uh, homeless people being fed. Imagine kids who uh, aren't sure if they're going to get anything for Christmas, getting stuff. For, I mean, just imagine us blitzing our community, teachers being encouraged in this time of COVID, leaders being prayed for in this time of COVID, all sorts of good breaking out over our city, our region, our world, because we were set on fire by the love of God. Imagine with me. Man, be awesome. And you know what? We'd be a super happy people. We'd be a joy-filled people. And we'd penetrate this dark COVID world with some intense, light-filled hope. So let's review those three R's, doing good. We've got to root ourselves in the good that God has done. Man, he did it. He's... He's won the good, do good challenge. We gotta rise above the noise, rise above the COVID noise, rise above the 2020 noise. And we gotta keep our focus on the main thing. And then we gotta resolve to make a difference. You know, you make plans for vacations. You make plans to go out to eat. While you're out to eat, you make plans to go out to eat again. What about if we said, hey, I just did a good act. What's my next one gonna be? And we planned it out. My wife and I the other night, we had, a, we had a date. And I said, you know what? Let's see how many good works we can do tonight. And you know, it was kind of fun. Oh, that was awesome. Let's, be, let's do good, church. Let's do good. Well, we're coming into a time of communion. It's a time to confess. Time to praise God. It's a time of commitment. And as we think about this message of do good, there's things to confess where maybe we've done bad, but also maybe we've missed opportunities to do good. It's a time to praise because we have a God who on the cross did the most good that anybody in the universe has ever done. And it's a time of commitment because we want to commit ourselves to say, as for me, I'm devoting myself to serve the Lord. I'm going to devote myself to do good in this world because of the good that he's done for me. So let's come to this time of communion. Let's do business with God. We're going to listen to a song. We're going to prepare ourselves to take communion. But maybe it's a time for you to confess. Maybe it's a time to praise.
maybe it's a time to commit. Let's pray. Father, you are so, so good to us. And we praise you. You have saved us, not because of anything we've done. You have filled us with your spirit generously. And you made us heirs. Lord, we confess that we've done bad. We confess that we haven't done good. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we commit. We want to be people who make a difference. We resolve to make a difference. And guide us, Lord. Give us eyes for your glory. That people would come to know you and praise you and for our joy. Because we want to be delighted followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast. 